0: Keep your ride or die alive at eBaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome in everybody to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is an injured Shay Dixon. Uh Shay, how are you?
2: How are you doing today? Uh well, I I put a, a sprained ankle onto my resume of post-signing day. I I just stepped down wrong and the ball of my ankle was just straight onto the ground so i i feared that i was headed the xavier pinson route potentially the adam miller route but i'm oh, i would i would qualify it more according to the local urgent care as a brandon murray type injury you're just okay. gonna have to you're gonna have to play through it you're not gonna look like your normal self but uh but we need you yeah you're, you're too important to the team to like
1: just not play but then yes you know sometimes you'll just be like what, what's wrong with shade today today's over there uh kind of limping. <laughs> did Chase sleep half
2: the day? What is he doing?
1: Right. So, um, but no, we're here. We're all good. Um, I guess I'll plug early on. Uh if you haven't checked out the the re-ranking video I did earlier today, um at the day we're recording this at least. Um check that out. Uh spent a good amount of time on it. Um stayed up late. It was one of those nights where I was just like not tired, and so I just did like the whole video overnight. And so yeah, did 14 through 1 my personal rankings of how I like them. And uh, yeah, that was fun. I, I, it was so late. I reached over to turn the light off at the very end, my lamp and I I broke my lamp. So that's how, you know, it was just a late night.
2: (laughs) Just in the lab all night grinding. Is this one of those uh, like memes where it's like tired and you're like the recruiting class is good. And then wired, it's like up till 5am breaking them down in order.
1: Yeah. Wired Landon Ibietas top seven. (laughs) There you go.
2: Check. There. Plug the rankings. That's the perfect one. Yeah,
1: there you go. Um, so, yeah, we have plenty to talk about with signing day. Um, we'll get through all of that, including where does LSU go next with its five remaining scholarships. But, Shay, it was a quieter day, but we were kind of wondering if it was going to be like that. Uh, I know on the last podcast we did, we were talking about what if they get five? What if they get four? They end up with two. They end up with Harold Perkins and Jalen Davis Robinson, two defensive players uh, that I like a lot. But still, uh, you have a couple misses on there, or at least players that opted to go in another direction, Danny Lewis, um, Jacoby Matthews, Trevante Citizen. Uh, what do we, how do you feel about the class overall and just how that day kind of played out?
2: Yeah, we'll talk about sort of the overall breakdown here in the next segment. But I thought that in terms of hit or misses, that they came out fine. And I think Harold Perkins goes a long way. If you land a top five player in the country, on the second signing day, then it wasn't a complete wash for you. And obviously, they addressed a position of need with Davis Robinson out of Waxahashi at cornerback. Who um, I'll kind of touch briefly on him. I mean, he's a guy that is a legit 100 meter 10.6 guy, 10.5 time. I think he's got one right in that range for a PR. He's got a good 22, or excuse me, a good 200 meter. So you know you're getting speed, and a guy who's probably you put in the program and try to develop him. It seems like he's played a lot of his best football, or, you know as a junior and again, as a senior, and that's when his recruitment kind of took off. So you address the need there, but getting Harold Perkins, I thought makes it all okay, right? Because you had already set your base and we'll talk about more than this in the next segment, but you were good on what the high school guys in December, you had a couple more now, you crushed the transfer portal, you still have some extra spots available. So to leave that day with Harold Perkins, a guy that throughout his whole process, everybody said, there's no telling where he's going to go. Like in the final, like weeks of his process, people were like speculating would he go to Jackson state and be like the Travis Hunter of the early signing period and make this big splash. And I had said, even in the weeks leading up to it, becoming evident that Perkins was going to be in the mix for issue And he backs off the AM commitment. I promised every day on the board, I was like, I'll make a prediction, but I'll never put in a crystal ball pick. And the night before signing day, and that day, I put in a crystal ball pick for Harold Perkins because outside of Davis Robinson, I felt as confident on him to LSU as anyone, and that was sort of the feeling you got going through signing day. Was between coaching changes, wholesale coaching changes had to top your entire staff minus your line coach, yeah. and then a signing day, a second signing day where NIL is really way more so than December in the forefront a lot of, in, of a lot of these conversations regarding Louisiana guys. And look, you'll even, you can go, Jordy Collada had Gordon McKernan on his show and, and Gordon's been sort of the the booster or however you want to look at it. The money man who's pushed a lot of these deals through here at the start for LSU, whether that's football or other sports on campus. And he said with Trevante Citizen that Citizen was calling guys on the team asking, how many NIL deals do you have? You know what are they worth? And uh, as he talked to different buddies on the team, the answer back was a lot of time was either I don't have any, or or maybe I don't have a ton. And I think you're just finding out the difference between these guys who are in college right now and didn't deal with all that as recruits, and the guys who are recruits right now dealing with it all for the first time. And to say that these guys, Citizen Jacoby Matthews, that um NIL deals didn't play any part at all and in, in kind of their process would be naive right I mean we've got a guy like Gordon McKernan who's a part of these deals saying I can tell you that here's kind of the dialogue behind the scenes and I don't think that at the end of the day when you look back and you say okay we lost out on a running back well you've got a top what group of five running backs that you feel pretty good about you took Noah Kane. It sucks to obviously lose a tight end in Danny Lewis because you don't have any. That was one of the biggest issues. And then Matthews is a no doubt, maybe arguably one of the best players in the state, if not number one, he's in that top, you know, two, three, four range of, of talented upper echelon college ready guys. But again, we saw the class A&M put together. This isn't some knock on Brian Kelly. Now they're going to have to figure out answers here to, to move forward in this NIL landscape, but a m signed seven five stars and Jacoby Matthews isn't even a five star. So like seven, five stars didn't go into Jacoby and them. They were doing, you know, they weren't just going into Louisiana and plucking a guy. They were going to every state in the country and picking the best guys. I mean, Shamar Stewart committed to them as well out of uh, Florida on signing days. So I think it's a new era that we're moving into and we'll have to see how it pans out over the next year and, and for people like us, you know, when I have to sit around and predict what a 17, 18 year old kid is going to do with one of the biggest decisions of his life down at the end, I think we've learned that the December signing period, somewhat easy to predict. Those guys are, they have their offers, they're ready to make a decision. They've made their visits. February signing day, if it's a guy, I said it before, if it's the guys who have the same offers they did in December and haven't picked up any new ones they're letting their process play out longer for a certain reason and, and i'm not always going to 100 believe it's because they just can't decide i think that they want to continue to explore avenues like nil and different things and that's fine but i think it makes for guessing where they're going to go like all the way up till the 11th hour tough because we see people like gordon mckernan saying even on signing day morning we're having conversations with different guys in their camps about what we can offer, what they could get once they get to campus. And that's just an element that's never been above the table. And because yeah. of that, it makes it way more difficult to project at the very end, who's going to get this guy and who isn't. Yeah. And that's
1: the thing. The crazy thing is, like you said, the December signees, I think we can go on, go on year after year and kind of have a good feel about because those are guys that are committed probably in June, July, August those are guys who have been committed for a long time know the staff I mean the December class this year obviously didn't even know the staff and they still committed so once Kelly and them and the coaching staff kind of gets comfortable I think the December signing day will be straightforward as it was um, this past year but the February signing day to throw in the NIL stuff and I mean we could spend a whole hour on it's just talking like what the ramifications are and how the impact on LSU that NIL can have. But just looking at it from that perspective, you start to kind of realize there's a whole nother factor in this game that we and LSU, I mean, nobody has kind of treaded that water before. And so for a guy like Trevante Citizen to be calling people and asking about NIL stuff is, is telling. It's very telling. So where does LSU go from there? I don't know. I obviously at this point next year we're gonna be in a very different situation with NIL. We will have know a lot more. There will probably be a lot um a lot more involvement from uh the, the LSU guys like Gordon and that we can we'll be able to be like, okay, this is this is supposed to go this way, this is supposed to go that way when it comes to NIL. At this moment, I'm just trying to absorb information. I'm just here like like, trying to learn about this, like like you said, Trevante Citizen calling players. Like, is that happening with, with every single recruit? Is that hap- – like, how is LSU handling it? I'm just trying to be a sponge right now because this is difficult to kind of navigate. Because, Like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of new to the recruiting scene, so I haven't been in it, like, as long. But still, it, it felt like it was always kind of a formula. It was always kind of a routine every single year. It's like, okay, we get to know the recruits, get to know their families. If they like their visit. They might go here. Now there's a whole different aspect of it that we can't really quantify at least early on.
2: Yeah, no, and think about too, I think that coaches even more so before will be enticed to sign everybody in December. Because I think if you go beyond that, you're getting into another month and a half of, okay, is this guy now really, you know, moving up the price of NIL deals and chopping things around? Or can we just get it done in December? And We're not worried about it. We go through bowl prep, we move on to January. If you have to close on a couple kids, you do, but you don't ever want to have to risk kind of the bulk of your class or a lot of the headliners being in that February period if you can help it. And I think that coaches of the early signing period happened for a reason. These coaches wanted to be able to say, hey, let me sign all these guys so January doesn't turn into some roller coaster where half my guys are getting plucked that have been committed for a year. So December provided that avenue for them to get it done early enrollees go ahead and enroll guys who aren't signed and and kind of put that final stamp on your recruiting process and i can promise you just from talking to coaches not just at lsu but other schools that all of them are saying look hey next december is when we want to have every you know everyone inked i'll give you an example yeah. i talked to one coach at a, another school's top 25 program and they weren't really involved at all at the second february at the signing day in february the second one and they sat back that day and were texting. They were like, this is nuts to watch. And they were like, I can only imagine the NIL stuff that's going on behind the scenes the day of signing day. And I said, man, I know I finally came up for some air. I said, how did y'all do? And he said, we didn't deal with anybody today. We did it all in December because we knew that if you have guys that are going into January that aren't late bloomers, that you're going to be caught in some sort of what does the NIL deals look like? What can you do for me? and?" I think that moving forward, coaches are going to really be eager to to lock everybody up in December yeah. and, and not really involve yourself in February as, as best you can. And and again, we're talking about NIL deals and driving up the price, and it's it's legal, right? I mean, yeah. so I don't want it to come across as like completely. Oh, this seems like you know a, a dark alley type stuff, and maybe it, it is viewed that way still because, as you said, we don't. We're not totally educated on how this is even working, like are all these kids calling everyone on the team and finding out how much they're getting and you know asking these other schools, what can you pay me? And we'll learn more about that as time goes on and and look, we've we'll talk a ton about this this off season, but everyone is saying, well where's LSU and these Nil deals? You want to, LSU has been, I think, a sponge for the better part of this process of understanding between federal legislation, state laws, meeting with different boosters, what all you can do, because you're still having to remember too, these people give money for buildings. They give money for, to Mm -hmm. be, you know, the primary sponsor at, you know, whether it's a walk-ons or a McDonald's or, you know, whatever it is to be a title sponsor for LSU. Well, now you're having to balance of, okay, do you want to give your money as a title sponsor? Do you want to give your money into NIL? And, I think that we're seeing them slowly put together things behind the scenes. I've talked to a lot of people who have a lot more money than the two of you, two of us, I should say. And, uh, and they said, Hey, look, quietly behind the scenes, we're putting it all together. We're being sponges as well. We're going to figure this out. But you saw teams like um, we talked about this on the board, Oklahoma came out firing on NIL. They were like, we've got a collective. Here's how it's going to go. And it tanked. And you've got boosters now wanting their money back and you've, got boosters saying we should have never done this. We should have thought about it more. We're not spending our money the right way. So I think there is some something to be gained, at least from not being first, but doing it right. And I think that's what LSU and a lot of these other schools are trying to figure out is how do we attack this the right way? How do we make sure that kind of everything from licensing deals, because that's one thing, Louisiana, LSU is one of the few schools where these kids are able to use the marks, right? Where you can use LSU and all, you know, the different logos, whatever it might be in your NIL stuff. Not every state has that. So state by state, we'll learn more about what's allowed. And I think then how does that pour into recruiting with, you know, whether your kids go into a school in Louisiana or Texas or Alabama or whatever it might be. Um, it's going to be an interesting year, I would say. It's first time we've ever talked about NIL on a signing day podcast, but here we are. So yeah. uh, I imagine as we move forward, we'll, we'll learn more about it.
1: Yeah. And just to kind of put a bow on it, I think the February signees will probably look a lot more like a Jalen Davis Robinson more so than a Harold Perkins. So late Uh, bloomers. Yeah exactly kind of late bloomer type stuff guys you see uh, that you offer late I think that will kind of be what February kind of becomes because um, also we have to remember in December it's a much bigger player pool right it's let's say you're talking about a thousand players you know for for 20 schools
2: right i think that i think it was like 85 percent of the top 300 players in the country maybe more than that had signed in december so you're right now now all of a sudden you're the only tight end out there that this team wants
1: exactly so that's that's the big point i think and when you talk about um trevante citizen maybe you know he goes from being one of 20 running backs that the top 10 schools are after to one of three, one of two, one of four. And that's where the NIL might come into it, where he is calling people and be like, what well, can you offer me here, there, there? And that's another aspect of it that's going to be interesting is players that hold out may be looking for more money. Like you mentioned early on, players that hold out aren't just looking to weigh their options. They're looking to weigh the money as well. So that's going to be an interesting avenue moving forward. But um, from an NIL perspective, like you said, we got a lot to learn. Uh, a lot of people have a lot to learn, even the people with money. Um, so, uh, we'll, we'll continue to track it moving forward, but it is definitely a, si- a major piece of this signing day that we had to touch on to start off this pod. Now, if we look at the, the class as a whole, and we look at the ranking of the class, um, let me pull it up real quick. I believe it was 12th in the country f- for the freshmen. Um, uh, and it boosted up obviously when you, when you talk about, um, adding, harold perkins at the end so with that in mind i think 12th is about as good as you can ask from this group with 15 players i mean i haven't scrolled through but i didn't i don't remember another top 20 team with only 15 i think there were a couple like in the teens maybe but i think the top end of this class did a good job propping it up a bit even though the depth obviously is is not where you want it to be but 12th overall i have no complaints i think that's about as good as you can ask ask for from lsu
2: No, it is. And you look through, I mean, Oregon went through a coaching change. They had 15 commit signees as well out of high school. They're ranked 25th. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I could go through Miami, for instance, had a number of coaching changes, similar number of commits. Uh, They ranked 15th. So when you get into like, for instance, LSU, I'm looking at my screen for those who are watching uh, this. And I'm not looking at the camera. Uh, LSU was 12. Clemson was 11. And they had 20 commits. LSU had 15. So like and obviously how these point totals work is as you add guys, you get more points. So it uh, that's it's not a bad finish at all, as you noted. I mean, to be almost into the top 10 in a high school ranking when you only signed 15 guys and you did it through a coaching, you know, wholesale coaching changes coming off back to back 500 seasons, I guess, in the regular season. And then this past year losing in a bowl game in the first losing season since 1999. So you throw all that into the mix and and all of a sudden you feel really good about that. Now, what I've liked and talk about now though, is when you go to 24 seven and if like, you bring up the, your team rankings or whatever. So it'll bring you to the landing page and you've got your high school thing, but it'll say recruit. Now you can toggle that switch and go down to transfer rankings and then overall rankings, which sort of, which combine your recruits, your transfer portal signees and give you this picture of the overall class, which I think right now in the transfer portal transfer portal era, that's almost like the go-to ranking because if LSU is going to sign 13 or 15 high school kids and 12 transfer portal kids, well I want to know where that ranks against everybody else who's signing high school and transfer kids. And you know, it all counts the same when those guys get to go out there and be on the field together in a year. They're ranked third behind USC and Ole Miss in transfer portal rankings, which I think USC getting Caleb Williams and Ole Miss getting Jackson Dart, among other guys. Um, really got it, I
1: got it on the screen now. Look at that. Oh, my man is sharing rankings.
2: Okay, there you go. So this looks – okay, that's the overall ranking. So this would be a combo. Yeah. What you're seeing here of – yes, that's right. I, I was on the uh, – okay, so this is the con- – that's the overall. So this is a combo of high school And transfer portal rankings, you've got A&M at number one. That's obviously based off their high school class. Bama, much of the same, though Bama added Eli Ricks, for instance. That was a big one. They got a couple other big transfers. Uh Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, and then LSU at number six. So if you're telling me that you're going to have to go back-to-back seasons without a winning record, you're going to have to fire your whole entire staff essentially mid-season, and they were sort of lame-ducking it all the way until December when Brian Kelly gets announced – And even then you're going to have to go through a month of January where your D coordinator gets denounced, but he's still in the NFL playoffs. So he's not actually there to help you recruit on the weekends. And you've just kind of hired everyone and put them on the road for the first time in January. And you've got the number six class in the country. I think they went, did a really good job on the high school front. No doubt. And we talked about all this in December, which is when they signed the bulk of their high school class and uh, important pieces like Walker Howard and Will Campbell and Emory Jones and Quincy Wiggins All these guys in state you end up getting uh, and now they finish up with guys like Harold Perkins and Davis Robinson at the second signing day. But in between that point, like in between December's early signing period and in between February's National Signing Day, the traditional one, they spent about a month where Matty B, it seemed you were there was no rest for the weary for you because we had you doing the breakdowns on transfer portal additions. They were knocking down like a transfer a day. At one stretch. I mean, they had added like eight in eight days in in one stretch of the middle of January. But when you end up doing that, you're looking at the transfer rankings. Now, 12 commits, you can kind of look up and down the whole month of January. They were just landing guys out of the portal <clears throat> that went a far way to not just like if you want to say like saving this recruiting class during a transition period or whatever it is, building it out they needed to address the depth on the team. I mean, again, 39 scholarship players suited up in that Kansas state game. And they got their teeth kicked in by a Kansas state team that shows up with 80 something scholarship players and runs the football all over them. So you need to get back to where you're at full strength. You've got depth. Um, you don't have guys bailing left and right. And I think that the mix of transfers and high schools was players was just what they needed because you fill a lot of holes. They're not long-term solutions, but the portal allows you to go out there and address certain need positions, whether it's a starter, whether it's some depth. And ultimately, they sign right now 12 transfer guys. Every position has signed a player except palm kicker and tight end and kicker would have been, you know, they took a true freshman. You don't really need one. Um, I think they'll probably get a, a PWO at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. But you're you're hoping Nathan Dibert there, your freshman kicker can get it done and then tight end. I think that they will be spending a, a spot on the tight end at some point in the transfer portal. It's just about somebody going in that they like and and going after them because that's a need position. But to be able to hit on every other position in the portal and some multiple times, like corner is a massive need. Well, you got multiple guys. O-line, you lose four or five starters. Well, you got multiple guys. So I really liked what they did in short order there, right, of building up through the transfer portal hitting on who you can hit on the recruiting trail, trying to close strong, being able, you lose some in-state guys, well, then you go pop a Harold Perkins. So I liked ultimately through a transition what they were able to do. It'll be interesting, obviously, with a full year of the staff being able to, to recruit kids with the 2023 class might look like. And we would assume you'd want to be right back into the top five of the high school rankings because that's where issues always been right there with, you know, A&M and Georgia and Bama and Ohio State. Um, it's sort of a, a top five team pretty consistently. So we'll see where it goes. No doubt. I, I would have a compel- other than the understanding of, Hey, we can't let Louisiana guys go to Bama and AM every yeah. year. And they were yeah. the, the state got rated a bit this year, but it's understandable. It had these yeah. 500 seasons. You have a coaching change. You get it, move forward, put your team back together and then try to focus on uh, building that fence up moving forward.
1: Yeah. Um, one thing that I've I've heard a, a decent amount just from social media, uh, is how how much weight can we put into, you know, some people are like, okay, well, they have the sixth overall class, but how much weight can we really put into that? Because you know that that maybe doesn't um, hold up in the long term, you know, transfer portal, all that stuff. There's some questions about that. To me, I think it holds a lot of water i think having this number six class and having the number three transfer portal class is huge because they're not just going out and getting guys that maybe could start or maybe could help them they're getting guys that are legitimately going to start and going to be good sec players like these they aren't getting scrubs at this point so that's what i want to make sure everybody understands is that the portal to me is huge like the The freshman class, yes, it's going to set up the future, all that stuff. But they didn't have an option when it came to the freshman class. They did not have a choice. Like They they tried to recruit as well as they could. They tried to get Jacoby Matthews. They tried to get all these guys. But there's only so much they could do. When you're talking transfer portal, that's what they had control over. That's when they came in. At the end of the season, and guys just started entering the transfer portal. That's what they had control over, and they did a great job with that. They have the number three transfer portal class, and that's only because they didn't sign a Jackson Dart or a Quinn Ewers. Right, that's the only thing keeping those teams above um, above LSU at this point. So, I I look at this, and I I'm gonna have a transfer ranking though soon on on the site, not on YouTube this time, but um, but damn, man, they they. They did a great job, and I think that holds a lot of water to me uh, just when I look at this team moving forward is that they are comfortable adding at positions of need uh, in the future. So that that's that's my kind of rant on the, the rankings.
2: Yeah, and I think we'll, and we'll close out here before we move on to the next segment, but I think people also say, which is fair, right? Uh, yeah, okay, the transfer portal rankings have you as the number three transfer class in the country, but – they don't take into account how many guys you lost to the portal, right? Unless you lost a number of guys to the portal. I would look back at the portal and say they lost three guys that you would consider that stung them or that hurts in what your Eli Ricks and McLuthern. So you've lost Ricks, Rick's to Baamin, McLeodern to Arkansas, yeah. and then your starting quarterback and Max Johnson goes Max to A. Yeah. So I would certainly so, look, they lost other guys, Trey Palmer, we'll Devontae. Yeah, Deion Smith, we'll see if, how that plays. We'll see right. what's up with Deion Smith. Yeah, but Max and look, people will say, well, you can have your little Max bashing or whatever you want on the side here. That, that's not part of the conversation. He was the starter, but now you bring Miles Brennan back, you get a year of him. I don't know if you call that a wash or what with Max about to be a junior. Max obviously has a couple of years left to play, um, but you get Brennan back for a year. Then you move on to Nussmeyer, Walker Howard. I think LSU fi- fans are going to be fine with that. Is, Everything they added in the portal as good as Rick's and McLuthern. I mean, probably not Rick's and McLuthern are two of the better corners that are out there and, and it sucks that you had to lose them, but that's just the portal area you're living in. And, you know, you try to go out there now and say, all right, you've added a handful of kids at the corner spot. A guy like Jarrett Converse, for instance, has started like 40 something straight games. Like he's got more experience than Rick's and McLuthern combined. So yeah. your hope he, you know, plays a lot of football. You did all your breakdowns on, Guys like Makai Garner, you bring in Greg Brooks who can play a little bit of a nickel. Um, you hope that the corner spot will be good enough for this year, but you also understand that when you take that kind of hit, and you lose Stingley to the draft and you only sign one guy in with Terrence Welsh early. I, I view Jordan Allen as sort of a kind of a utility knife back there at the DB spot. But yeah. you add Davis Robinson, that you also view him as someone that you want to develop and all that. Then you understand moving into next year, we're not going to be as good at corner as we probably normally would be if you're a fan and and that's okay it's you understand it before the year begins the coaching staff knows it. they're going to have to address it through recruiting and and the portal moving forward but at the end of the day I look at if I'm really only thinking they got lost you know three or four guys maybe that were like in a play and and you know were impact guys for you they added a lot more than that like I count way more than three or four guys that are transferring in that I expect to be starting or have pretty big roles in the team so I liked what they did. Um, And as I mentioned that, guys, could be starting. A nice segue. Uh, We'll play a little game here. We'll do a little exercise. Um, You actually – I wouldn't call it cheating. You've just done your homework. You've already ranked these guys, so I'll let you pick off your list unless you're trying to deviate. Um, Though you can mix high school kids in here too. I'll try to be good. But let's go go offense, defense, special teams. Of one guy we think that they signed, whether high school or transfer – best odds to start immediately next year. Where should we start? Or including transfers? Let's do transfers in high school. Just put them all into one thing. We're just gonna pick guys. Okay. Um you want me to go first and we can go position by or not position by position. We can go. Defensively uh, I'll take
1: I'll take Derek Bernard Converse just in this draft. I'll take I'll take him first with the number one. So he's
2: so he's got you. You're, are you going on experience here? Where are you rolling? Yeah. I'm well? 100%. You straight starts. I mean, that's really
1: 100%. Close. Just straight. Also, at this moment, I mean, they could add another corner, but at this moment, they have basically two corners who I think could start. Like him and Makai Gardner are the only two I think could possibly start right now. Um, unless if, no, I mean, I don't know. Unless if Jay Ward drops out to safe corner, I guess. But um, yeah, I think Converse Bernard is probably the one that's. Probably the most for sure starter. A lot of these transfers I could I look at it as for sure starters. Maybe not a lot, maybe like three, four, three. Okay. I don't know. Um, all
2: right, it's it's me on defense. I'll I'll select in the defensive backfield again, but I'll go with and I could go with either Arkansas edition here, but I'll go yeah. Joe Fusha just because I think that Fuchsia is a guy he's played a lot, and him and Greg Brooks are both great players coming from Arkansas. I think Fuchsia is a guy who's played a ton. He's made a lot of plays, even against LSU, like in big SEC games. Safety is not like the – like, for instance, they have Jay Ward and Major Burns coming back, mm-hmm. and you've got Jordan Tolles, you've got a veteran in Todd Harris, and then you've got this big group of younger guys, Sage Ryan and Davis and Langwall, that you're excited to see. I just think Fuchsia brings so much experience, and and we've seen. I mean, Jay Ward gets banged up. Major Burns is out for a long period of time, so you can't – Always rely on all these guys being healthy. Um, I like Fuchsia. I think he's coming in here a year to go with the expectation that he'll be starting. And I think he'll certainly compete over the offseason to, to make sure he's playing a ton. So Converse and, and Fuchsia, I think, are pretty good picks.
1: Uh, for the freshman, just if we want to throw a freshman out there, it's between two players for me. Um, and I think the obvious one is, is Harold Perkins, I think, could have a <laughs> chance to start. Um, I'm not going to guarantee that he starts, but I think he has a, a quality chance to start because I think he could step on campus and be second or third best linebacker on the team. Like, I look at him in a way that I think we want to look at Mike Jones. Like, and that's not a complete dig to Mike Jones because I think he Jones is probably better as a coverage guy, but Harold Perkins is an he could step in an outside linebacker if he needed to and just fly around and create havoc. And I would love that.
2: Yeah, he's a great off-ball linebacker. I think. Uh, I think he and Tolan are really good as well. But you know, I think yeah. Perkins has probably got him edged out a little bit just in terms of readiness and natural athleticism and all of that. But two good, two good high school linebackers there. I'd be if we're picking one out of the high school ranks as well. I'd pick Harold Perkins. Yeah, I, and I love Quincy Wiggins. I just think his he's played two years of football. Uh, one being in a pandemic year. I think his upside is is more long term than anything, and and I think it'll be really good. But yeah, I'd rock Perkins day one. Yeah.
1: For defense, I'm sorry, for offense rather. <laughs> for offense and I'm not including Miles Brennan in this. I don't know if you wanted to, but uh well I'll leave Brennan out of it. Yeah, that's, that's sort good. of easy.
2: That's guaranteed.
1: Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of easy in my I'm mind, hoping, I think. Yeah, me too. Uh I'm looking over here cuz I have that's where I have my transfer rankings on my whiteboard over here. Okay. Um I'll let you go first on this one.
2: All right, I'll pick an I'll pick an offensive lineman. I yeah, will go, go I'll uh, go Miles Frazier. I think that'd be the easiest thing to do. Yeah. He may be. Let me glance up and down. The highest ranked transfer, no, Makai Wingo. The D lineman of this is, um, but yes, as a as a solid mid range four star, Miles Frazier out of Florida International, 6'5", 305. He's played handfuls, got plenty of starts. He comes in with the ability to be at offensive tackle. He moves well. I think he was the highest graded offensive tackle in PFF to end the year last year. Um, exactly. or maybe, yeah. That was like, uh, at least on the list of guys who were returning and, and not going to the NFL draft or whatever. Um, so you lose four or five starters. there's gotta be no doubt in my mind that Frazier would be one that's going to come in and, and play. And position wise, I guess I don't know exactly where that would, like, I can't predict if he's going to be the left tackle or the right tackle or Whatever it might be, but I do think he ends up starting.
1: Yeah, I I don't know 100% where to go. I don't I don't want to pick Kyron Lacy, even though some people think he's going to start. He could start. I mean, I don't know. It's such a tough receiver room to kind of break down. Um Tremon Shorts I think is probably the safest answer here, interior offensive lineman. But I'm I'm going to go kind of crazy. I think. Um I don't even – I'm going to go Landon Ibieta. I'm going to take wow. Landon Ibieta. We'll start a couple games. I'm not going to say he's going to start all the games. I think he gets on the field a couple of times. Fill us I, in, I, my I, brother. I, fill I, us I, in. I, hey, first I'm going to plug the YouTube again, the, the YouTube uh, video early in the day. But, man, this dude is fast. He is like, and I, I, it's easy to say a recruits fast, right? Like, it's easy just to be like, oh, he's got great speed and that projects well. Like, we've done that with a lot of players because a lot of these guys are fast. But this dude, it looks like the fastest player in this class. Like, I just watch his huddle, man. He gets the ball and he's gone. Like, gone, gone. Um I think also you mentioned special teams. And I think... From a punt returner or a kick returner angle, I think there's a very viable avenue of him getting on the field. Is he earlier. your special
2: teams answer too? Or are you doubling down? He's both.
1: He is both. Landon Ibieta fan club right here. Right here, right now. Landon Ibieta wow. is going to make some plays as a true freshman. If I could if, if we come back on this a year from now and he hasn't touched the field. I'll look like an idiot. but well, shame damn. on Brian Kelly then because they've got a guy
2: <laughs> like that sitting there. Yeah.
1: yeah, I know what I'm talking about here, Brian. Get yes, him on the field, yes. all right? He's amazing. Okay. He's amazing. I I
2: point. like that. I like that. Okay, yeah. so you, you passed up the transfers and took a high school guy, so no need yeah. for us to even uh, address the high school range. Mm-hmm. I'd actually say, and this – like so many people I think are going to expect Will Campbell to be the first offensive lineman to the field of this high school crop. Don't sleep on Emery Jones, I don't think, especially if it's on the interior. I know at Catholic, he played a lot of yeah. offensive tackle, but I think he's a guard at the next level. They're going to have to find a center. I'm not sure who that's going to be ultimately, but. Emory Jones is the real deal. I, I love him. I think he's going to be a really good player. I love Campbell too, but I think that Jones and, and Campbell will make a nice run uh, to see which one of them uh, can get out there first, but uh, yeah. keep an eye, keep an eye on Jones and he won't be there this spring and Campbell will be. So Campbell gets a head start in that regard. But uh, if Jones can, can stick with it through the spring and, and get here this summer and and kind of get into the strength and conditioning aspect of it all. And and into the film room, I think that he'll be a pretty good one. Not sure if it's next year, but at some point those guys will be starting. And, and I've got a lot of faith in Emery Jones. Um, well, and actually I would have said this that special teams usually are like, well, they only sign one guy, so it's really easy to pick who that would be. They actually signed a lot of special teams, guys, between uh, high school and the transfer portal, and you're throwing out there returners already for to be in the mix mm-hmm. here. So to give the rundown, they signed a long snapper out of East Carolina in Slade Roy. Yep. Slade Roy. They signed a punter out of Notre Dame and Jay Bramplett. and they signed a kicker out of Michigan high school player in Nathan Dybert. And you've also got obviously return specialists like Landon Ibietta There's actually there's a chance, chance maybe all these guys end up starting in different spots. I'm
1: they have sure. some competition though, do they not? Like Slade Roy has some competition. So Slade Roy and
2: Quentin, Slade Roy and Quentin Skinner are two scholarship long snappers, so competition there. Uh, You're bringing um, what Jay Bramplet on at punter, and then you've already got uh, a punter on roster right now. Um, but the, even though he's never started before, um, and Avery Adkins kind of took that role on uh, yeah. this past year. Well, and, Peyton, oh, is Peyton Todd still in the roster? Uh, yeah, so Peyton yeah. Todd being the punter. Well, and then,
1: re- I, yeah, I remember they they, they talked about Pey- they talked up Peyton Todd a bit. So that's what I was like, oh
2: maybe. Yeah, and Peyton. he was the number one punter coming out of high school, just like Bramplet was oh, in man, his yeah. class. So. You got a little competition there. And then at kicker, I would just assume that diver is going to take over for Cade okay, yeah. York. Unless they're bringing on somebody with one of these five scholarship spots or just like a preferred walk-on that's maybe kicked before somewhere. I've heard they were looking at guys like that. So yeah. yes, actually some competition may, I guess hard. I'm going to roll with DiBert because he's the only one who doesn't have direct competition right now, it seems that's been added through the portal. So yeah. I'll go with Michigan, Heartland, Michigan's Nathan Dybert. Um, McMahon has obviously not here anymore, but was a great, you know, special teams coordinator for a long time with the Saints NFL background. But when he got to LSU, they went from like Cole Tracy to Cade York, now to recruiting Nathan Dybert. Um, obviously did really well finding Avery Adkins. He turned Zach von Rosenberg into a multi-year starter at punters. So um, he had recruited Quentin Skinner um, as a long snapper. He was the number one long snapper in the country. So he clearly had an eye for special teams players. And he had circled Dibert last summer, I guess, and they brought everybody in and he said, this is the guy we want. They went after him and they got his commit. So um, I think he would be, He'd be the guy that I'm pegging as the best chance to be the immediate starter just because I don't think he's – I think the job's sort of been given to – not given to him, but he was recruited here to take that job, and, and I think he takes it, yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: All right. That was fun. Um, I almost threw out Mason Taylor on offense just because in case they don't send any other uh, tight ends. No tight like,
2: ends, my brother.
1: They, if they just don't get any more tight ends, they're just like, Mason Taylor, throw them out there. Okay. But, so uh, That's,
2: go that's a good segue, right? That's another segue. That, so the last thing we had written down was they have five spots, Matty B. Five open spots. You almost wrote down a tight end because they need one. Is that where, and people are going to ask like, how do you use these final five spots? Well, pretty much all the high school guys now are in the rearview mirror. You're waiting on the transfer portal and the LSU staff every day is sitting there just like clicking refresh. And as soon as a guy comes up at a position you want, you check him out, you look at his transcript, you get a feel for him, and then you decide if you're going after him or not. Are you starting there? That's where I'd start. Tight end has to be my number one. They've got one guy coming back on scholarship and Cole Taylor, Taylor got beaten out by a walk-on in Jack Mashburn okay. last year. And, and Jack then,
1: Mashburn's not a walk-on anymore,
2: though. Well, that's yeah. What, well, Yeah, he got handed a scholarship. So, yeah. um, And then Mason Taylor signed in December, the son of, obviously, Hall of Famer Jason Taylor. Um, that's not enough tight ends. I know. I know this, like, for a fact. LSU is monitoring the transfer portal daily to see who's out there that they can grab at tight end. Maybe someone goes in over the next couple months. But that's where I begin. And... From there, I'll let you rank your positions. I don't have the depth chart pulled up right now, but I could just do it in my head. Linebacker, I'd still be trying to find somebody else. Even though I just got Harold Perkins, I'm still looking. They signed West Weeks out of Virginia, uh, a transfer portal guy, and then obviously Tolan in February, excuse me, in December. But beyond Micah Baskerville, and then you mentioned Mike Jones, you don't have anybody there that's ever – like Greg Penn played in the bowl game. That was it. So you don't know what Josh White and Sampa bring. Um, we really don't even know yet how many linebackers house is going to want to the field on the field at all times or what a rotation might look like. So, for me, it'd be tight end number one, linebacker number two. And man, I don't know, I'm still in the camp of if I see a cornerback go in yeah. there that's good, I'm, I'm getting him.
1: Yeah, I'm going corner as definitely number three there because even if, even though in theory, like I said, I like Makai Gardner. Um, and I like to Rick for Converse Bernard as the two starters. You still need some depth pieces, as we've seen this this the past couple years, right? Whether it's injuries or whatever else, Um, and these guys have been reliable starters on their teams, Garner and, and Converse Bernard. But still, you you need other guys to rotate in at times, Um, and they don't have that depth. I mean, I. Ray Darius Jones and Demarius McGee like had their moments at times but I don't really expect them to you know be able to hold their own for long stretches of of time and I don't want to so I think you go out there find a corner and it's for a similar reason at linebacker like you just need depth you need quality depth you don't just need depth you need quality depth so I'd go corner would you look offensive line at all or do we just really trust this offensive line now that they've added Frazier and shorts?
2: I mean, they have a lot of pieces, but I, if I see one and I have a spot, I'm getting them because I, beyond, we're just presuming the two guys they got out of the transfer portal are going to be good and going to be starters. Even then you're looking around and saying, you can go up and down the road, like Marlon Martinez, Xavier Hill, Dumerville, Garrett Dellinger, trying to like, think out loud of guys. There's no one that's, there's them.
1: no one that's like, you're like, Oh, this. Yeah, guy yeah, no doubt he's gonna it. start yeah,
2: yeah exactly. no and if i see someone in the often in the portal that's been like a sinner for a year or two somewhere and he's good yes. i would get him too because yeah. right now they're about to have to teach somebody how to snap the football
1: yeah i'm, yeah, I'm not joking that sounds, that's like sounds <laughs> not funny. I'm, being seri- I'm
2: being serious i'm
1: being serious i believe you i believe you um so yeah,
2: center okay, center so, so five spots and we're thinking oh because I, I agree O line so like O line corner linebacker tight end.
1: Yes, that's four. That's four. Now would do do you think do you think they definitely get like fill all five scholarship spots? Do you think they they'd go out of the way to, to make sure they get them all five?
2: I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I don't think they're gonna take guys just to take them that you know ultimately are just gonna be sitting on your roster and never play, so they'd have to be good enough, but Yes, yeah, so I think there'll be enough movement out there that at least three or four of these spots are filled. And like maybe if they have one left over and ultimately it doesn't get filled, it's not the end of the world. Uh, they're inching closer to being back over that 80 scholarship count anyways. So you're going to be nearing where you're about to be capped out. Um, but yeah, I I won't be surprised if all five get used if they stop at three or four, just because that's where the target list ran out. And that's fine. But I don't think they're going to slow down on pushing or taking guys if they think they can play until that five number's up.
1: Yeah, no. So, I mean, I I think they're fine everywhere else. Defensive line, I'm looking at. I mean, I trust they have enough bodies at defensive line, even if they flirt with B.J. O'Jelaria as like an outside linebacker, depending on the scheme, obviously. But, I mean, I I think they're pretty much fine there. But, like you said, it could be – For one of the spots, one or two of the spots, it could just be if they see a really good player, they just might be like, "Hey, I know we have enough receivers. I know we have enough running backs, but this dude might
2: be a stud." And that's the highest transfer they have in their class, right, Makai Wingo? You wouldn't have said D tackle is somewhere we really need to figure things out. It's like we've got like Mason Smith and Roy and Guillory, and you know, even though you lost some veterans and guys like Logan and Neil Farrell and all them, you've got a lot of guys that are younger that are kind of emerging or waiting in the wings. You've got Joe Evans back. Bryce Langston you know there's still guys that we haven't even seen that are playing there but they're not going to turn him down I mean that's an all-fcc freshman all-fcc guy who has connections to your staff and you know he played high school football for Robert Steeples who was one of the new hires so yeah I'm with you I I think that if a best available comes up you're going after him and even if you have depth there that's fine you know I think that the more the merrier yeah
1: can never have too much depth on the defensive line that much I do know um but yeah, I don't. Uh, do you have anything else here uh, we want to touch on before we, before we get out?
2: I'm good to go, my friend. I'm good. to go. I'm, I'm getting right. over this. I'm envisioning all the Land and Ibieta jerseys that are about to start selling with nil deals after they hear the Maddie B predictions. But I like it. I'm in on it.
1: Right. All the nil companies just listening to the pod and be like, all right, write that down. Write that down. Land hey, and That's the
2: Duncan. future. Is we're gonna get people nil deals and get them while you know while they're sleepers, and mm-hmm. then that company will thank us for like, it. Like stop. They if they would have been listening to the podcast, they would have known that yep. he would have been a starter.
1: I'm, I'm gonna clip. I'm gonna clip this and by like the game seven of next year when he's like returned to punt for a touchdown, and I'm just gonna be like, "I told y'all, I told y'all, Landon Ibieta write it down." We'll see. I, I just, I, I, I believe in him. I believe in him. Get him what field, time? Man.
2: What time do you think it was when you were watching Landon Ibieta So it was just three <laughs> thirty in the morning. It, it was a wide awake moment. Oh, no, no. Well, the thing is,
1: I first watched him obviously on the initial signing day in December. Yeah, so in December. And, th- and that's when I pulled an all nighter as well. And so that's where I was like, probably up at like, yeah, probably up two, three, three in the morning, probably, if I had to guess. Landon Ibieto. Yeah, there you go. I like it. I like it. Great 3 a.m. player that you're just like, that's my guy now.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's my guy. I think I gave him, um, in my superlatives when I handed them out, let's see where I had There he is. Oh, I gave him the underdog uh, title. The the guy who's not getting any uh, pub right now. Thankfully I ran that article before now. He's no longer an underdog. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's actually being projected to start. So uh, (laughs) yes. And Hey, look, he's the only high school receiver they signed. So yes, uh, he's, he's got to carry that, uh, that title on his own. Yeah, so
1: we'll we'll see how that plays out, but there, there's a good plug. Uh, check out Shay's Go Twenty Four Seven Awards with the Class Superlatives. Check out my video on our YouTube. Um, I also wrote a story about the tight end situation. Looked at the portal, looked at kind of like a big board, but also wasn't really sure where they can go from here. Included some interesting tidbits in that as well, so check out all that stuff on Go Twenty Four Seven. Become a subscriber if you're not already. Uh, if you enjoyed the video, leave us a like, subscribe, share, send it. Um, leave us some comments. What do you think about the class? And yeah, we thank you all for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter right here at Matthew Bruni underscore and at Shay Dixon. Uh, but we thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to y'all later.
3: Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.